Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. This day points forward to what Jesus would do for us. I'll talk about it at the end of the study, but I want, I want to point out that even on the day of Yom Kippur, when the high priest would go in and make atonement for them, were their sins washed away? Nope, just covered up. No one's sins were washed away until Jesus would finally come and wash the sins away. So at best for them, your sins are covered so you can, so God will still deal with you. So you can still have interaction with the Lord. The sacrifices we read about in the Old Testament are so primitive and messy. It's hard to wrap our heads around these bloody demonstrations, but that's just what they were, demonstrations. They didn't actually achieve atonement for the people. They were just symbols of the spiritual act that was taking place between God and his people. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, these symbols are pointed to the ultimate demonstration of God's love through his son, Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 29, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Let's look at Numbers 29. I'm going to take this in chunks. So I'm going to read verses one through six and we'll go back and look at it together. So Numbers 29 verses one through six says, and in the seventh, seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work for you. It is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord. One young bull, one ram, seven lambs in the first year without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for a bull, two-tenths for a ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering, and their drink offerings according to their ordinance as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire, to the Lord. So this first feast that they're commemorating or remembering is the Feast of Trumpets. And for them, it was significant. It was, you know, God would have them go out. It was a celebratory feast. You'll see with each of the feasts, there was all these offerings that needed to be given up to the Lord. And we'll look at why at the end of it. Um, But as you and I look at the Feast of Trumpets um, and all the things that are going to be offered up and what's taking place, a few things I want to point out because we're going to see it more than once. First, it says you shall have a holy convocation. And I I just kept reading that. um, Actually, there's a few denominations that have a thing each year annually called a, they call it that, a holy convocation. And the word convocation means an appointed time or an appointed gathering. So God said, hey, I'm calling you guys to a, a holy, a set-apart convocation, set apart to me. I guys, I want you to gather together to me at these intervals that he sets. And so a holy convocation, he says, for you guys, there'll be no customary work, but there's going to be the blowing of the trumpets. And in the New Testament, as you New Testament saints, when in the New Testament, I guess when in the New Testament or where in the New Testament? Do we hear about trumpets or what are we looking for any trumpets? New Testament saints. Anybody was that revelation? Revelation. Anybody else? Rapture. Right. So we are we are waiting on a trumpet blow. And so I wanted to point out a few New Testament scriptures. If you're taking notes, I want you to just write these down. 
Um, if you're fast with your fingers, you can turn to them. Write down 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. I'm going to read it to us real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means to die, but we shall all be changed. And real quick, the word mystery here it is the definition of it. It's, it's a it's a truth that was previously hidden that is now being revealed. So this isn't things that it wasn't known forever. But Paul, he says, hey, I, I'm telling you guys now a mystery. Um, behold, I tell you a mystery, something that was previously hidden, but is now being revealed. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. Everybody, you know, outside of the rapture of the church, everybody does die. But he says, hey, we will not all die. There's going to be a group of human beings at some point in time in history that they won't die. He says we will not all die. That's what the word sleep means. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And so Paul pointing forward to a time there's going to be a trumpet sound. And at the trump, the, the trumpet sounds there, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise and we shall be changed. We're going to be transformed. Metamorphosis is going to take place. Um, this corruptible must put on incorruption. So these bodies that we live in right now that are, that are not made to live forever, everybody's body is, is dying. These bodies, unfortunately, are not built forever. But we're going to get a new vessel, a new body that's created by God, eternal, made in the heavens. There, there's going to be given a body to the believers, a body that's made for eternity, not, this, not the one you live in right now. So um, some of you have questions. Like, what, what does a new body look like? Nobody knows. But nobody's going to be disappointed because nobody's sad in heaven. In heaven, we have fullness of joy. So whatever it is, we're all going to love it. So Mary Paul says it, it's, it's at the sound of that trumpet that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, we're going to be, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise incorruptible. So we're waiting on that. Also write down 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. And... Just the context, you know, these are believers that are under heavy persecution. People are being punished for their faith. People are dying for their faith. And Paul is wanting to give them something to comfort them. And so 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, prerequisite for salvation, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So those of us that are alive and we're still on earth at the time of Christ's return, which we're waiting on, says we're not going to precede or go in front of those that are already with him. Verse 16, for, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Um, for some people, they say the word rapture is not in the Bible. This phrase caught up is where we get our English word rapture. It means to snatch up by force. It's the Latin word is rapturo, where we get our English word rapture. So the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the teaching of the rapture is, it's right here. Those who are alive and remain, so those who are still on earth, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to join up with those that have died in Christ before us. 
caught up with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's where every believer is looking forward to, to die and be with the Lord or to be raptured and be with the Lord. Heaven is going to be all about being with the Lord. And it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. But uh, once again, we have the, the trumpet there. And so while they're being reminded back here, I want you guys to celebrate. I want you guys to remember what I did. I want there to be the blowing of the trumpets as part of the celebration and remembrance of what I've done for us New Testament believers. We're also looking for and waiting for a trumpet. And so moving on now, look at verses 7 through 11. Um, it says, on the, on, on the 10th day of the seventh month, and you're going to notice that in the seventh month, there seemed like there's all these things happening. There was Now it's on the 10th day of the seventh month. If you notice that in verse 1, it was the seventh month on the first day. Now we're in the seventh month on the 10th day. Um, you shall have another holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls you shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma. One young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil. Three tenths of an ephah of the, for the bull. Two tenths for the one ram and one tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also one kid of the goats as a sin offering. Beside the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering with its grain offerings and their drink offerings. So come back up to the very beginning. This is a different remembrance. This is a this is the Feast of Atonement. Uh, we would call it um, they, they would call it Yom Kippur. And so most of you guys are familiar. We, we talk about it almost every time we do communion. But it was that feast day once a year. It was a, it was a time once a year, Yom Kippur, where the high priest would go in and on behalf of the people, he would make atonement for their sins. And all the people would be outside waiting for him to come out and announce their forgiveness to, to let them know it. it the tradition says that the, the high priest would go in and, and because he might die in the presence of a holy God, if there's any sin, if there's anything not right, tradition says that they would tie a rope to his ankle as he would go in and if they didn't hear the, the jingling of the bells on his outfit that at some point they would pull the guy out if he died in the presence of the Lord but this is a day once a year this feast was for them to remember what God had done for them uh, that their sins were being atoned for and this wasn't one of the celebratory feasts notice in verse 7 it says you shall have a holy convocation it says you shall afflict your, 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 your souls. In most cases, that's a reference to fasting. Anybody here that fasts? It's just afflicting your soul. It's, it's self-inflicting, um, you know, you're denying yourself, but they would fast. This wasn't a feast where they were having a great time and partying and eating up. They were going to afflict their souls. They weren't going to do any work. They were going to be a time for them to remember as they offer up these sacrifices to the Lord. For you and I, this day points forward to what Jesus would do for us. I'll talk about it at the end of the study, but I want, I want to point out that even on the day of Yom Kippur, when the high priest would go in and make atonement for them, were their sins washed away? Nope, just covered up. The, the, there, no one's sins were washed away until Jesus would finally come and wash the sins away. So at best for them, your sins are covered so, you can, so God will still deal with you. So you can still have interaction with the Lord. So your relationship with the Lord is intact, but they're not washed away. It's not final. It's not finished. Uh, it's not a done deal yet. And so um, for them, God would say, I want you to remember what I did. For you and I, 
We, we have the, just, just as he reminded them that make sure that those lambs, make sure that they're without blemish. Well, we have the lamb of God who finally did come and take away the sins of the world, the lamb without spot, without blemish or any such thing. And for you and I, we point forward uh, from where they were, but point forward to what Jesus was coming to do for us. Now, they had this feast. God gives us a, a feast to remember as well. Um, if we take it, it's not a feast, but it's, it's communion. And God has given us a meal to commemorate what he did that we wouldn't forget what he did for us. And so, you know, the high priest, like I said, back here, they would, he, would, he would go in, the people would gather outside and, and they, would, they would be waiting there till he would come out. And, and it, for them, this was a day of con- confession, contrition. They were fasting, they were repenting before the Lord. And something that I would just say on this one, you know, as far as a New Testament application, God had called them to this feast. God said, I want you guys to come on this 10th day of the seventh month, come together. But I, don't, I want to be a solemn feast. I want there to be a brokenness about what's going on. I want there to be fasting. I want you guys to, I want there to be repentance. I want there to be brokenness among you guys. And we know that this pleases the Lord. Repentance pleases God. As you look into the New Testament, uh, one of my favorite stories is the prodigal son. And we, because it's teaching me about God, the father, you know, that, that story has given us a, a illustration of the father and what his heart is towards a wayward kid or, or son that's gone off when he comes back. And as the son, we all know he went out and he, he lived a foolish life and he, he took his inheritance and he wasted it on riotous living. But he comes back one day. And as he comes on down the road, he's coming back and he's created, he's kind of pre-written his little sob story when he's going to tell his dad, and I'm not worthy to be your son, maybe like one of your hired you know, servants and everything else. And he's coming down the road, it says the father, when he saw him, ran out and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And you get an image of a, the father that was just, I'm just glad he's back. Forget all that mess. And the son starts going, father, I'm not worthy to be called. Dad, shut up. He, he didn't say shut up. But if you read through the, you read between the line, man, shut up with all that. He said, go get the ring, go get a robe, go get the sandals, go get the fatted calf. We about to celebrate. He says, my son, who was dead, is alive. And it was a great celebration. Well, in that same section of scripture, there were several lost things. There was a lost coin. And there was a lost sheep. And Jesus left the 99 and got the one. Every time the lost thing was found, he says, all of heaven rejoices when, when one sinner repents, when one person comes back. Heaven rejoices over repentance. And so God says, I want you guys to take time, right? A solemn feast. Slow down. Stop with all the, this is not a celebratory. Take, take some time to bring it down a notch. Do you need to repent? Are there things that you need to just come before the Lord with, confess and be broken and lay them out? Understand that it pleases the Lord. It pleases God. And so I would remind us, sometimes we do need to just take a minute. Uh, evaluate ourselves, examine ourselves, take a look at what we got going on. And if there are areas where we need to come before the Lord and say, God, I need to repent. I want to lay these things out before you. I want to, I want to, I want to be clean before you. See, for us, it's not like for them. They had to come to this event and the priests had to go in on their behalf. They had to wait outside until it was all said and done. And, and then they had, they were covered for until next year. For you and I, it's totally different. Jesus has already come. Blood has already been shed. He lived, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Access has been granted to the throne of God 24-7. The veil has been torn. Nothing separating you or me from the Lord. And so when I realize there's some junk, I can go in my room. I can sit in my car. I can, wherever I'm at, I can just stop and come up with the Lord and confess and repent. And there's a difference. I always want to explain this because some people think 
Repentance is confessing. And they're very different. Confessing is to speak the same thing. Confessing my sins is agreeing with God. God, I lied and it's wrong. And I'm, I'm admitting to you, you already know it, but your word says if I confess my sins, your faithful just forgive me. So I'm confessing that I lied to you, that you would forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. That is confession. What's the difference between confession and repentance? It's huge. Confession is I'm, I'm saying, I'm agreeing with God. I'm saying what I did was wrong and I'm telling on myself. Repentance is stopping doing it. Repentance is it's the, 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 the definition of repentance. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It's not just, you can't say repentance. Some people say, yeah, I repented, I repented of that. And what they really mean is I, I confessed to God, I, 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 I told God, you know, or I asked God to forgive me, so I repented. No, nah, repentance is fledged out in no longer doing the thing. I can't repent of something that I'm still doing. I haven't repented yet. I just acknowledged it. And so uh, we want to confess because God forgives us and he wants that too. But we also want to repent. A favorite verse, another verse is Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And even in that, God has said, if you confess it and stop it, I'll be merciful. He delights to have mercy on his kids. And we, we want mercy. Amen. We don't want judgment. We don't want spankings. We want mercy. So you need to confess and repent whenever it's needed. So. For them, this was a time, um, again, this was more of a solemn feast. God told them what it was to be. Um, he said, this one's going to be solemn. It's going to be a holy convocation. You're going to afflict your souls, and they're going to do business with the Lord. And for you and I, New Testament principle, um, we don't, you guys don't have to come to the church. You don't have to go to the priest. You don't have to go to the temple. Um, because of what Christ has accomplished for me and you, we, we should be clean all the time because how easy he made it. Like, what do you have to do to get right with God other than come before him, confess, and repent? Everybody here can be right with God all by yourself every day. Um, we, don't, we don't need, God is, re, he's removed the need. I don't need a, a man to enable me to get right with God. Jesus enables me to be made right with God. So moving on now, look at verses 12 through 16. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. It says, on the 15th day of the seventh month. So this is, so we had something on the first day of the seventh month. Then we had something on the 10th day of the seventh month. And now we have something on the 15th day of the seventh month. The seventh month was a busy, busy month for them. You shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. And you shall keep a feast to the Lord for seven days. And so, um, this feast is going to cover seven whole days. I, I'm going to, I'm not, we're not going to go through each of the seven days because there's only one thing different in the seven days. I'll explain that one thing and we're going to, I'll summarize a chunk of the study tonight. So they're going to do this feast for seven days. Verse 13, you shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. 13 young bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in their first year. They shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be a, be a fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for each of the 13 bulls. Two-tenths for each of the two rams. And one-tenth for each of the 14 lambs. Also the kid of the goats as a sin offering. Besides the regular burnt offerings, it's grain offerings and it's drink offerings. So 
Here is God telling them, I want you to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And as we're going to read, and I'm going to summarize it. So if you look at verses 17 to 38, which we're not going to cover all of that, but I'm going to just explain each one of those verses. It's another day. So what we just read on the first day happens on the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day. If you'd like to read it, I'm encouraging you to go home and read it. There's only one distinction. Each day, there's one less bull that's offered. So on the first day, there are 13 young bulls. And in verse 17, on the, tw- on the second day, there's 12 young bulls. In verse 20, on the third day, there's 11 bulls. Verse 23, on the fourth day, there's 10 bulls. Verse 26, on the fifth day, there's nine bulls. And six, on the sixth day, there's eight bulls. And on the seventh day, there's seven bulls. I looked high and low for, you know, what that meant. You know, I, I did. And I don't want to just pull something out of the floor. And but I, I look for what is the significance of, you know, it, the, the number decreasing each day. Um, and I couldn't really find anything that stuck. I couldn't find anything that I felt comfortable saying, oh, this is it. But I will say this and we'll look at this. The, when you add up everything that had to be given over this period of time, it's a grip. It is a it is a ton of if we were to take it and, and put it in a monetary, you know, amount, they were they were given they were given loads and loads and loads to the Lord. And this is what's significant there. I'm looking at it and God is saying, because I know y'all have that to give because everything y'all have comes from me. Right. I'm looking at it from my perspective saying that's that's a lot. God, from his perspective, is saying I, I made sure you have it. And um. I forgot who I, I read, but uh, there, there was an illustration given, and it, it would kind of go like this: If if I told my sons, you know, my son, if my son came to me and said, "Dad, I wanna I wanna buy you a gift for for Father's Day, um, could you give me ten bucks?" And I said, "Oh man," and I gave him a hundred bucks, and he went out and he spent that ten bucks on me, and he brought back the gift he bought me with the ten bucks as he had planned, and he got to keep all the ninety. That's essentially here. God is saying, look, I, I, I'm, I'm so blessed you guys, but I want you to bring this to me. Why does he do that? It's God, does, does God need all these animals? Does God need the sacrifices? He, he doesn't need anything. He's God. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from me or from you. But he tells them, I want you guys to do this. Right. What does it do to them to give it? What is it? What, how does it impact them to to have to regularly come and say, hey, this is for sin and this is for a fellowship offering and this is for this. And with each thing that they're giving, they're having to take what God has blessed them with and what they've, they've worked too, but they've received it from the Lord. And there has to be an acknowledgement that, man, all this that we have, the fact that we have this much to give is, is that the Lord has blessed us and they're giving these things to the Lord according to what he wants. And so back to the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it's going to cover seven days. God required so many animals and such an expensive sacrifice because one, the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a happy memorial of God's faithful to Israel, faithfulness to Israel during the Exodus. So this is a time where they would remember what God had done, how he brought them out. And God said, I want you to celebrate it. I want you to take this and I want you to remember what I did and I want you to celebrate it. And so I wonder sometimes if Christians forget how to pardon and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Some of y'all are like, oh no, I know how to party. Not like that. So when I say that, I mean this. It, 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 if you think about it in the world, people know how to celebrate. Um, they just do it wrong. 
Uh, they add, there's some components to worldly celebration that, 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 that goes out of bounds. But here God was saying, hey, celebrate me. Celebrate what I did. Rejoice in it. Make a big deal about it. Have a feast over it. I mean, I, wanted to, I want this thing to go for seven days. I want this to be a, a big deal. And, and anybody here that's thrown a big party. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, he corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that he taught them are the same ones he teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what he's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that he was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.